All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be doing another Hong Kong recap. Lots of gems, lots of Bruce Lee's house, cursed, and a love motel, and lots of, yeah, you can sit in this chair. It was Yip Man's. No big. Let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial arts. Watch out. Yo, Mikey, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Seagong. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, wrapped in plastic. Uh, mm-hmm. It's great to see you again. I swear it's been two hours since we recorded our last episode. Oh, yeah, it's been, been, it's been a decent while. You've been busy in between. Yes, but here we have the rare weekend where we can kind of knock these out. So I um, just for those who saw the last episode, I was wearing this shirt. And now I put the jo- <laughs> I'm going, I'm, oh, so you're doing a me then. Yeah, right. so I'm just like, okay, now it's a totally different day, right? <laughs> so uh, here we are for another Hong Kong recap episode. Mm-hmm. So uh, for those who have not been keeping up with us, uh, we have uh, been recapping our epic uh, Ultimate Hong Kong Kung Fu Tour that we did so this epic. past August. Oh, yeah, dear really God. epic. Um, it's interesting because I just uh, I sent Bay Logan a text yesterday where uh, he also had a birth- birthday recently, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, I'm uh, I'm already planning for promoting the Hong Kong tour for next year," and he's like, "It's going to be tough to top that last one." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, while certainly that trip was amazing, I have absolute confidence. Not that I can top it, but that I can create something of equal awesomeness. I think you can definitely match it. Because every trip, and I say this without any hyperbole uh, or for the fact that I'm trying to sell more tours next year. <laughs> um, every trip that I brought people with me to Hong Kong has always been, um, has always been awesome and fun and unique. Mm-hmm. And each one has been so, well, it's, it's, it's a bit redundant. It's been unique in a unique way, but each one has been awesome for a different reason. Yes. So every trip I've gotten, the, the, the people who came with me to meet different people, whether they were martial arts folk or uh, um, Hong Kong movie people, uh, or we ended up going different places because... There's almost like this synergistic effect of me having been to Hong Kong so many times and knowing so many people there Mm -hmm. that I could almost not plan the tour, just tell a bunch of people to meet me there, and just it would be awesome because I would be like, all right, here's what we're going to do today, and it would be spontaneous. To be fair, that's kind of what you did up until this year for the tour. Previously. Yes, yes. So because this was the first tour that I opened to the public, meaning to people who weren't City Wing Chun students, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I really need to plan the living piss out of this. But of course, make sure that you have to build in some flexibility because you either have weather stuff or, you know, you know, Bay is like, hey, I have Mars from the Jackie Chan stunt team today. Okay, scratch whatever. We're doing that instead. So, yeah, I, yeah. so that's why... Um, although this past trip, I have to say, was one of the most memorable trips I've had to Hong Kong, I'm... I don't even have a slightest amount of doubt that next year's trip is going to be completely awesome and also for different reasons with a, a different crew, a different setup, but be equally as awesome. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, you'll still do some of the classics, obviously. Like, they'll yes. be like, you know. Well, there'll be things that I'm always going to do on every tour because presumably I'm going to be bringing people who've never been to Hong Kong for the first time. So the gist of it is that I want... The, the idea is if you only go to Hong Kong once... Mm-hmm. Then uh, go with the Kung Fu genius. Yeah, go with the Kung Fu genius, yeah. right? Because no one who's gone to Hong Kong for the first time with me mm-hmm. has ever said like, "Oh man, no, that wasn't everything I expected," and way, way, way more. My crumb. What I'm most proud of is I've taken people who've been to Hong Kong before. Yeah, and were like, 
oh, yeah, I didn't see shit the first time I went, right? <laughs> Antonio had been to Hong Kong before, but before he went with me, uh, it was not the same. Br- uh, our boy Bruce Willow had been to Hong Kong before. He'd even been to some of the places we went, like what we're going to talk about today, like Chingsan Monastery. But it's another number when you come with the Kung Fu genius because mm-hmm. of the layers of, I suppose, history and context and why is this even relevant? Why is this even interesting, right? Yeah. Um, so on top of all the geeky Kung Fu, Wing Chun, Bruce Lee stuff that we're always going to do, I also want to make sure that people see the normal sites. You yes. know, if you're going to go to Hong Kong and you don't go to Lan Kwai Fong, that would be kind of a tragedy. Or you mm-hmm. don't take a ferry across the harbor, that'd be kind of a tragedy, right? Yeah, yeah. So I make sure that I will, or go to the peak. Yes, uh, I make absolutely. sure that there's plenty of like the stuff that tourists are supposed to do while they're in Hong Kong while also doing all the stuff that you're not going to find in a tourist guidebook, right? Mm-hmm. So before we get started, all I want to say is the best way to support The Kung Fu Genius is on Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Kung Fu Genius. For as little as $5 a month, you can support your favorite Kung Fu podcast out of New York City and uh, get access to episodes early, which is Absolutely. pretty awesome. awesome. There's a bunch of other goodies there as well, like my subscriber reels from Instagram, so you don't need to subscribe there. And on Patreon, you get everything on Patreon. Um, and also lots of little goodies. I'll post stuff on uh, Patreon. Like one of the things I posted for our Patreons is the or are the Andrew Lin's awesome uh vlogs of hong kong oh, because absolutely. he released them publicly like yeah. one i think as of the this recording only the second one is released right but like the third and the fourth one he let me release them to the patreon so yeah. so there's always like extra little goodies like that mm-hmm. that that'll add there and then higher levels of support you could even get like a private episode with me all sorts of other stuff and we no longer do ask me anything episodes from our youtube commenters you got to be on patreon for those but we still do take uh suggestions for topics uh, for future episodes because we want to do more singular topic episodes. Yeah, yeah. So still do the topics. Put the topics in the comments of the YouTube. For Absolutely. Sure. Say, hey, man? KFG, why don't you talk about whatever, blah, blah, blah. And if it's Ninja good... Ninja 3, get, the domination. Ninja 3, the domination. Yes, yes. Yeah. Please suggest canon film related stuff i won't oppose that all right yeah because we have to do you have to suggest it yes we're definitely not just going to do it anyway because we would totally do that we we We, might but but sometimes (laughs) we'll like oh we'll do something canon related yeah and then you know like our youtube commenters will have like They'll take that idea and come up with something a little bit extra that's a little bit better, right? Yeah. So, uh, but for the Ask Me Anything episodes, those are only going to come from our Patreons. But in the meantime, we'll do more singular topic episodes. So, yeah, patreon.com slash genius. So, yeah, so now we are in day three. I think today we could probably reasonably do day three and day four. Not that those days were any less action-packed than uh, the other days, which we gave one entire episode for all of those days. But, like, day one, there was a lot of, like, intro stuff, and and Mm -hmm. there was a lot to talk about because it was the first episode we did. The second day was totally crazy as well. The third and fourth day were completely packed, but I think we could probably do them do them in one episode. I think so. I mean, because the thing is, the first episode, we also dealt with all of the preamble before the tour as well. Yes, which is exactly. why only guys we got to day one. Day two, absolutely crazy. Day three, we're settling into our kind of tour lifestyle. Yes, yes, you know yes, what I mean? yes. It was like kind of like midweek, you know, we're doing the thing. So, so day three, uh, we went to Chingsan Monastery, also known as Castle Peak Monastery. Mm-hmm. And this is where they shot that iconic opening scene in it well not the very first opening scene but the scene with the student Lao you know it's Lao's time and the finger pointing away to the moon you know the whole kick me bit there with yep. Braithwaite 
That was not, so when, when Enter the Dragon opens, they're at a monastery where he's squaring off with the legendary Sammo Hung. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, w- one of the great things about being a Bruce Lee nerd is like, you know, a lot of people are into Bruce Lee, a lot of people are into this stuff. But maybe they don't quite have the same level of nerdy encyclopedic love for the stuff that I do. Kenneth J., one of my really good friends who invited me to go to UFC, we talked about it on the last episode, he stayed with me for the week, and you know we were talking about Bruce Lee, and he didn't know that that was Sammo Hung in the opening scene of oh, Enter wow. the Dragon. So I still get excited, not like, oh, God, how can someone not know these things? I'm aware that like what I know about Bruce Lee, some things might be common, some things might be really obscure, but if, some, if someone who's kind of into this stuff and I'm able to tell them something that I might think is kind of very common, I still get very excited about telling people things like that. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, I remember when I found out that that was Sammo Hung uh-huh. at the beginning. I, that was a very cool day. And I was like, well, that, that, that's Sammo Hung, right? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, that opening scene where, where he has that fight, the kind of prototype mixed martial arts fight in the, you know, the bathing suit with the, with the, glo- with the fingerless gloves or whatever, um, that was not shot at uh, Chingsan Monastery. Right. That was actually shot at another location. And so, uh, but in, in the movie, it's implied that it, the, the whole finger pointing away to the moon scene is outside that temple, but that yeah. was actually shot at a completely different location. Absolutely. And, and that, f- that first scene in the movie is actually the last scene that they shot all together mm-hmm. in Enter the Dragon. That's why uh, Bruce, who was skinny throughout all of Enter the Dragon, um, because as we know, towards the end of his life, because of his, his work habit and, and everything like that, and the massive amounts of cocaine. The rampant was, cocaine abuse. The rampant cocaine abuse. Um, he was, as he reported to Dr. Ao, even in the November before he passed away, he was unable to keep weight on. Yeah. It's what and we call the Miami crack diet. The Miami crack diet. Okay. Um, I like how you say that's what we call, as if like this is a conversation we have regularly. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. The, the royal we. I'm English. Let's call it. I call that. Yes. That's what the queen called it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. Your, she, late, your late queen called yes, it what the Miami crack the Miami diet. Miami crack diet. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Mm, mm. <laughs> I would. I'd pay some serious money to hear those words coming out of the late Queen's mouth in that order. I can guarantee you those words probably came out of Prince Andrew's mouth at one time. (laughs) (laughs) I I love when you rag on the royal family that we will get some comments of, like, your paisanos from your country Mm -hmm. who are... Like staunch royal defenders, and like it's just—it's so funny because like in America we have our own divisiveness, you know, right and left, you for Trump, not for Trump, or whatever. And it's kind of funny sometimes when like if it's your country's thing, you're like into it, but if it's another country's thing, you just watch it while eating popcorn, and it's funny. Mm -hmm. And I think the whole like. I mean, obviously, the royal family should be abolished. I mean, obviously. Is, 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 is anyone yep. seriously defending the royal family anymore? Unfortunately, Piers there are Morgan. still plenty uh, of people that do that. Yes, Piers Morgan <laughs> being one of them. No, I say that. I mean, I know that that's like a big bone of contention yes, among the people. Right? <laughs> but, but as someone who's got no skin in the game, it's just kind of funny to sit back and go like, oh, my God, this is so you funny. You heard it here first, folks. The KFG is actually an abolitionist. Uh so I, I, I don't, uh, you know, the care. first thing is like, well, you're not even a citizen. Or they, they would, I, they'd be saying yeah. your accent, yeah, I presume, absolutely. that I'm mm-hmm. not even a citizen. Well, and well, I don't well, have mate, you're not even a citizen, are you? <laughs> yeah, but seriously, seriously. <laughs> a royal family, all right, mm-hmm. calling people your highness. 
Mm-hmm. So what is what is the implication of that? Anyway, that's a yes. topic for another episode. Oh, absolutely. K, KFG and Mikey Dean talk politics. <laughs> Patreons only. <laughs> so, yes. You know, it'd be really funny for us to talk politics that don't affect us at all. The <laughs> <laughs> geopolitical situation in Turkmenistan. Yes, exactly. Right. So I, I will have a whole thing about like the 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 um, the necessity or. Uh, or not of the royal family. That'd yes. be great. And then you can... Well, you're also American. Absolutely. So we to. have to talk Canadian politics. <laughs> you have to talk Canadian politics. Although it's perhaps still somewhat related to... Yeah, they're kind of... Honestly, every time I've worked an event with a Canadian, and more than often than not... Um, this is like a few years ago, back when I used to freelance. I would work, and, they'd, and without fail, at least one Canadian would be like, oh, you're British. We're Commonwealth. We're, like, related. And I'd be like... Okay. Well, like, the amount of inbreeding that went on in your country. I mean, it is it's still let, going yeah, on. Yes, still, <laughs> let, let's be fair. You could be related. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could be related to my own. No, I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> so what if you could transport back in time for a front row seat into the life and legacy of one of the most respected Wing Chun masters in history? Gong Sao Wang, a tribute, direct students on Sifu Wang Shilong offers you just that. Through a series of exclusive conversations, 25 direct students share anecdotes, reflections, and personal stories offering in-depth understanding understanding of the man behind the legend. Order your copy today across 12 Amazon marketplaces with free shipping. I absolutely love this book and I think you'll find it an indispensable part of your collection. I can't recommend it enough. Get yours today. Go to Amazon, type in Gong Sao Wong, and there you go. So uh, so there was uh, there was Bruce Lee in the last part of his life really struggling to keep weight on. Mm-hmm. It was one of the things he complained to his doctor about. And so when you see that opening scene of Enter the Dragon where he fights Sammo Hung, he, that is literally the last video footage that exists of Bruce Lee. Right. And he is probably at the skinniest he'll ever be, certainly in front of the camera. I mean, shortly before he passed away, he was really skinny, looking really awful. Yeah. But uh, there you kind of look at that that opening scene is the, the last you really see of Bruce Lee, right? And then so I think that the following scene there with Mr. Braithwaite and the Laos shot at Ching Chan Monastery, I think I don't think that that was actually shot at that same time. I think they had already shot that. Right. And they were originally going to open with that scene. Yeah. To kind of establish him as like this kind of philosophical badass. And then they kind of thought, well, why don't we just establish him as a, a badass badass? And mm-hmm. then and then they inserted that fight scene with Sammo Hung at the temple, right? Yep. So uh, I brought on day three of the uh, tour. I brought everyone there to Chingsan Monastery, which is in Tunmun, which is in the new territories. A little bit of a it's not the longest uh, going to Fanling to Yitman's grave is a little bit longer, but you gotta you gotta take the train to Tunmun, and then it's about another fifteen minutes or so walk to the base. Mm-hmm. And then it's another, well, depending on how serious you are about walking, it's a, it's a relatively steep hike. Yeah. Uh, it's so steep that sometimes if you're not, if you don't have really good ankle flexibility, you have to turn around and walk backwards to go well, up. Also just to sort of like ease it up on the calves a little bit as well. You know yes, what I mean? Yes. I mean, I actually, I actually enjoyed the train journey to Toon Moon a little more than the one to Fangling because you, mm-hmm. you go through that whole open space and you can see Shenzhen. Yes, yes. Although you like, can also see it on the way to Fanling. You, I, I may just not have pointed it out. Because we weren't on the same train at that time. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's what, so you weren't able to benefit from my awesome narration. No, because we'd left early because you were waiting for someone. 
Oh, uh, I see. It I see, could have possibly, which edge in 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 their defense, it could possibly have been me because I feel like we had that moment where we got lost and we jumped on a train and you're like, oh no, we haven't left yet. Oh yeah, that's right. You did fuck that up. Yeah, that yeah, was your fault. Totally my fault. Uh, okay. So then, yeah. So that's why cool. you went on the train and did not get my awesome because when I'm doing the ultimate Hong Kong Kung Fu tour, as you know, having yes. done it, mm-hmm. everywhere we go, uh, KFG's got stories. This yep. is that. This is this. This is what you got. To pay attention. I know the, everything there, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's why you didn't know. Yeah, yeah but you, you can see Shenzhen and mainland China kind of all the way to the new territory. Oh, well, that's yeah. good to know. Well, yeah. okay. Well, anyway, I still preferred that journey to yes. Qingxiang. So, so uh, yeah, so then we walked there. It's uh, Tun Moon is a very industrial section of Hong Kong, lots of old factories and stuff. And then, yeah, and you walk up there, and it is, I believe, the oldest Buddhist monastery in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And what's great about it is that it's... You can just go there. Yeah. You know, normally uh, certain temples, certain monasteries, there's a Chilin mo- uh, nunnery in Hong Kong, which is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But they are such assholes when you go there. <laughs> and so I, I, I always struggle every time I go to Hong Kong. I'm like, can I, should I bring them to the Chilin nunnery? It's like near Diamond Hill. It's, right. it's relatively new. Very nice with like very zen gardens and pagodas and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they get salty if you take photos there. Oy, they, 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 get, they get really weird sometimes yeah. at that place. Yeah. Um, they're, not, um, they're, they're not the nicest on the Buddhist front. Mm-hmm. But Qingsan Monastery, you can go there and... If you can make it up that climb. If you can make it up that climb and you can walk around, take photos, do cool Bruce Lee kicks. And no one says anything. They're yeah. very, very cool. Of course, if you do go there... Always be respectful, but uh, I'd just like yeah. to say, from a personal thing, going, you know, I'm going to harp on about this trek up there. So, I mean, it's fine, like, you know, it's cool. You're, if you're fit enough, it's great. But I was walking up there with Victoria, and she was just like, you know, I've had nightmares like this where there's something so steep we have to crawl up. I was like, yeah, I've had the same nightmare. It's just like we get to points where it's just, you're not actually crawling up, but it gets super, super steep, and you're just like, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You just got to keep going. Yeah, and then you get to the top, and it's fine. If you see Andrew's fourth episode of his vlog, which at the time of this video is not uh, out publicly, yeah. our Patreons, I think, have it, uh, you, you actually see the walk up there and you can see how, how intense it was. Yeah, yeah And absolutely. there's some salty bits in there with you as well. <laughs> there's always salty bits with me. So, of course, we went up there. One of my favorite things to do there is to do the iconic sl- uh, slant kick, which is not a mm-hmm. Bruce Lee thing. It's a Wing Chun thing. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in Wing Chun, it's that final kick from the uh, Chum Q form. It's a left slant kick. Uh, a lot of people, they like to photograph that kick because your, your, your toe is turned outwards, very kind of a unique kind of hip opening kick. But a lot of people, when they do it, they don't really do the real, what I would call slant kick challenge. Yeah. And I would recommend all of our podcast listeners to do the slant kick challenge. Go hashtag slant kick challenge, right? Yeah. Or let's make it hashtag KFG slant kick challenge. Yeah. Right. So uh, if, if you go on my Instagram feed, you scroll, you'll see it. There's a photo of me there doing it. I think in, in this one, I was wearing my normal clothing. I, yep. in previous years, did it in my Wing Chun uniform. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that you have to stand upright. You, your body has to face the camera. And your kick has to go off to the side with the toe facing away from you. And you have to hold your hand in the flat style Fuck Cell bladed sideways in the Wu Cell, right? Uh, and you have to hold it and then have the photo taken. Sometimes I see people, they call it like the twisting kick from Chum Q, and they hold their kick like all the way up here. But they're not holding it. They throw the kick up there, and the cameraman just takes a quick photo. Yeah. All right? So I, 
as a tae- a former Taekwondo black belt, if I just go to fling my leg up there, I could also put my leg up here and you could take a photo, but that's not the slant kick. The slant no. kick, you need to be able to hold that thing there, hold it like a statue and then take a photo, right? Mm-hmm. So that is a slant kick challenge, not lobbing your leg out quickly and everything go, take the photo quick, take the photo quick. That's not the slant kick challenge. Slant mm-hmm. kick challenge, can you hold that thing out there? So a bunch of our students did that. So I think Andrew did a sidekick. He, he remembered to bend his leg this time. Yes, yes, he, he, he bent it enough. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, we all got to do it. I did it, unfortunately, because my janky ankle, I had to do it the opposite way. Well, you had to do it on the right side. Yes. Well, that's very advanced. That's bachamdo. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, I know, right? You know, it's, it's a great. big joke about the slant kick, right? <laughs> why, is, why is the chumkyu slant kick only on the left side? Because on the right side, you do it in the bachamdo form, right? So I haven't by, the, that yet, so by the time you're me. qualified to learn the knives, then I'll teach you the secret of the right kick, which is <laughs> it's the same as the left. You just do it on the right. Mm-hmm. Don't tell anyone. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Andrew got a good one. Jose got a good one. Cara got some really good ones. She got ones. a really good one, yeah. Um, Seabrook uh, C- uh, Giuseppe got yeah. some great yeah. ones as yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah, know, absolutely. which was so, super cool. And everyone else did. Uh, it was it was actually it was really great just walking around and. It's a great hike. Yeah, Jose and I recreated the uh, the, the the kicking scene between Bruce Lee and um, you know the student. I was yeah, the one Lau. that kicked him. Yeah. Lau. Yeah. I was the one that kicked him. I didn't uh-huh. actually kick him, but like there's a photo uh-huh. of us doing. I think I think his name in real life was is that that kid is like Tong Stephen Tong something like that. He later went on to become a director. He apparently directed one of the Scooby Doo movies. Oh really? Yeah. That, <laughs> yes. Yes. That that guy who kicks Bruce Lee directed a Scooby Doo film. <laughs> well then. Yes. <laughs> Crazy, huh? Yes. Uh, so yeah. Then after that hike, uh, we we he- we headed back down, and uh, I, I was having a little trouble deciding how to cross over the main street. And so then we <laughs> met some Chinese lady, and then she was so excited that I could speak Cantonese to her. And instead of just telling us which way to go, she, like, walked us around there. It was, it was so cute. Uh, and then after that, uh, we basically left the group yeah. uh, to go get something to eat at the mall. We were going to meet later in the evening because we had uh, something to do. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been working on a project which feels like now forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've... I've I haven't talked too much about it because I don't like talking about things that aren't... Um, when I say I'm going to do something, I like to do it. I don't like to go like, oh, I got all these pie-in-the-sky projects and then never do them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I've been working on now for at least 10 years has been a Yip Man documentary. And uh, because, you know, with all the Yip Man films, uh, his real story, which I find way more compelling than the drivel they keep coming up with in the Yip Man films. I, I get it. These are movies. They have to pander to the mainland Chinese audience. They have to have action. And Yip Man's life story was not an action movie. It was, it was a very dramatic story um, with you know, lots of bumps in the road and, in my opinion, far more interesting than the crap they keep coming up with. And while there are still a few remaining students of Yip Man around, I wanted to put a camera in their face and get as many of these stories as we could before it's too late. Because already at this point, think of all the, the students of Yip Man who've passed away who could have told you the best stories, right? Um, while certainly we could be very thankful to Wong Sunlung's students for having carried on uh, a lot of the stories that he told them, but uh, man, how much would I have loved to have had Wong Sunlung around and had him for one hour yeah. And just say, you know, tell me the story about how you joined. Clarify these stories. How did Yip Man teach you? What was he like? What was he like outside? And just hear that stuff and to get it, you know? And now we have to rely mostly on the recollections of people whom he may have told those things to, right? Yeah. Um, but the idea of getting these kind of firsthand stories from people who were there, it's 
uh, every month that goes by, we're losing someone who, who could tell something, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just think, you know, so many of the greats are gone who could have told us stuff, the Leung Seung, Lok Yu, Choi Seung Tin, all these guys are gone. And, and while, uh, you know, they, they did tell some things in some books and some videos and some interviews, but not in the way that I would find satisfying. Yeah. And in, uh, I had originally opted, or I originally started doing this project with another producer who ended up just being, just put it, not suitable for the project. Uh, just uh, the way he went about things, just it just was not the way it was going to work. So then uh, I kind of gave up on it. I gave up on the project just going like, we had already filmed all this great stuff, but the guy who was doing it just, in, in my opinion, just it, it wasn't working. Yeah. Right? And then so I was like, forget about it. And then in 2019, I kind of got a new fire relit under me to like, oh, come on, man, you, you really should do this documentary because... He, some people were encouraging me. And so I got a new team. Uh, you met Mark Oberdorfer in yep, Hong Kong, right? It's amazing. Right? Yeah, Mark's fantastic. And because one, he's German, I'm half German. Mm-hmm. So we get along, like we understand, like he's my paisano, we're Germans, right? Yep. And, uh, but he lives in Hong Kong, he speaks Cantonese, he gets it. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like a perfect person for me yep. to work with in Hong Kong, right? Mm-hmm. And so we started, you know, we decided to pick up this project where I left off, but but do a new spin, not not do it in the way that it was previously done, but kind of do it in a new way, partially because some of the subjects and some of the ideas, those people had passed away. So then uh, luckily we were able to film a couple hours of footage of the late Sifu Chan Chi Man, my good friend. And we shot it in his house, full 4K HD, mic'd up, perfect sound, everything. I was able to ask Chan Chi Man all the questions I wanted to ask Everyone who learned from Yip Man. These were mostly the same questions I would have asked if Wong Sun Lung were still alive. And I would mm-hmm. have him the same types of things like what was and it was also about them. What was your training like? How did yeah. Yip Man teach you? How did you do this? How did you learn the wooden dummy? How much did you have to pay? All the, like I wanted to know everything. And, you know, what was Yip Man's like? What was his character like? Did you ever see him fight? Did you ever see him do this? Did you ever see him do that? And we got all this amazing footage. And then I was so reinvigorated because the footage we got with Chan Chi Man was so amazing. And then I'm like, yes, we're going to do this. And then the virus of unknown origins. Ah, yes. And then it was like everything was like kind of everything coming. It was like kind of kicking me right in the chops. But now on this trip, met up with Mark again. And he's pretty much like, hey, no, we still got to do this. Um, especially now almost because Chan Sifu had passed away. And I, I have all this beautiful footage of him. It would be such a waste. To not have it. And the great thing about Chan Sifu is he was so, uh, um, he, he was so generous with his stories. But yeah. then while we were there, he demonstrated his long pole form. He demonstrated the long pole. Uh, or sorry, he did the long pole form. He did the wooden dummy form. He even did some of the knives. He hit the wall bag. He demonstrated some stuff the way he learned from Yip Man. So we actually have him doing some stuff. And it's great. And so even if just to honor Chan Chi Man, I want to do something with that. If the documentary, for whatever reason, doesn't get made, I will do something with that footage of Chan Chi Man because yeah. I would consider it a, an absolute loss for that stuff to just be sitting on my hard drive, right? Mm-hmm. So in an effort to continue this project, we shot something with Sifu Kanspeh for the Yip Man documentary while in Hong Kong because, as some people may know, my Sifu is in possession of the very rare footage of Yip Man performing 
1967 at the uh, San Pol Kong Detectives Club, which is everyone knows the photo, the black and white photos of Yip Man performing on the wooden dummy. Um, but what they don't realize is at the same time he shot those photos, he also shot Super 8 uh, video, uh, which was shot by Tang Sang and it was in Tang Sang's possession until he died. And then that footage made its way to Sifu Kanchpei. And this footage has never really been shown openly besides one or two little clips which are floating on YouTube. One, one big one with the, uh, you know, because many people said Lang Cheng, oh, he was a liar, he didn't have this footage. So just to kind of tease everyone, they released the footage of the one big one from the long pole form and then the one kind of cross <laughs> kick from the dummy just to go like, Oh, you see this footage? Yeah, we have it. But yeah. then not release the rest of it, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, some students, you know, within the WT lineage, myself included, have been lucky enough to see this footage. But I wanted to get Sifu Kanchbecht on video talking about it and talking about his history with Yip Man, Wing Chun, and learning from Leung Cheng and all this kind of stuff. So we, we went to a capoeira school there in Chimzajoy, yep. and uh, you were the sound guy, mm -hmm. and we shot a pretty awesome video footage of Sifu Kanchpei for about an hour talking about his history, how he started learning Wing Chun from Joseph Chang and then later from Leung Ting and how he learned it. And he was very candid about you know, certain aspects of his relationship with Leung Ting. And, and, and then we also talked about the Tang Sang footage. So that was pretty awesome. Oh yeah, that was great. Everyone else was eating weird food which you see in Andrew's vlog, but yes. we were- We, we were, were getting story, like firsthand stories, yeah, right? Yeah. It was amazing. And then after that, we went and did a touristy thing that night, which was to go to the peak. Yeah, super touristy. Now, also great, but very touristy. Yes, but you know, if I if I only brought the 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 tourists to the kung fu stuff and didn't take them to the peak, mm -hmm. and then they come back and they tell, oh, you went to Hong Kong? Did you go to the peak? No. Did you go to Lang Kwai Fung? No. It's like, well, what did you do in Hong Kong? I looked at Bruce Lee's house. It would be a little weird. Mm -hmm. So that's why I want to make sure, like, for everyone who comes on the tour, if this is the only time you ever go to Hong Kong, then you're going to see all the main things you want to see. Now, there is so much to see in Hong Kong. You cannot possibly, like, when we left, there was like, oh, man, I, I didn't take you here, didn't take you here, didn't take you here. Yeah. But uh, you're going to come back anyway. So oh, I'm not worried about that. But, yeah. uh, but that's the thing is that there's so much to do that every tour that I do can be unique and amazing in its own way and, mm -hmm. and will make people who didn't go on it feel jealous for whatever reason. Yes. So we went with the big group to the peak. Now, for people who don't know what the peak is, it's on the Hong Kong Island side above all the big skyscrapers, and you have this glorious view of Victoria Harbor, of Kowloon, of, of you can look a little bit into the new territories. I mean, you can't really see over it, but you can kind of see in that direction. And it's the most iconic view. And if you go there at nighttime, when the lights come on, it's amazing. So the best time to go to the peak is right before um, before the end of the day. So you get the daylight mm -hmm. view of it. And then as it gets darker and the lights come out and then yeah. you see that, it's oh, it's, um, it's an awe-inspiring view. Well, it's fantastic. I mean, we ended up taking cabs up there because the buses were a little bit unreliable, but it was a super cool ride up to the top. Yes. So pro tip, if you're not, for, pro tip is Go on the 2024 Ultimate Hong Kong Kung Fu Tour with the Kung Fu Genius. The proest right? of tips, by the, the way. The proest of tips. But if you do not go there uh, and you're in Hong Kong and you want to go to the peak, all right, uh, there's a tram that you can take up that brings yeah. you up to the peak. That is a tourist trap, okay? <laughs> it is very expensive. And you just sit in this thing and you basically just go up in a straight line up to the peak. You don't really see too much. But what you should do is if you take the ferry across, instead of taking the MTR, you take the ferry across the harbor, mm -hmm. right there by the big Ferris wheel, 
and you go and you take a bus. Yeah. There are buses, you have to look at the schedule, that will bring you up to the peak. Or you take a taxi up to the peak. That is way better than taking that tram that just goes straight up because you go up this windy path and you see the view up there and you're going up these hills. And it's a lot of the Hong Kong that you've seen in movies and in car chases and stuff like that. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And when you're going up there, you'll actually pass by a very... Uh, I, I don't know what's in there right now. It escapes me a little bit. There's a very old building on the way up there, and that was the building that was the external shot for Han's palace. Oh. So when you, um, when you watch Enter the Dragon, there's an establishing shot of Han's palace from the outside, either very early on when Bruce is getting the briefing or later. That establishing shot is not, it's not where the movie shot. It's, not Han. it's actually this one building that's on the way up to the peak. Right. And so if you're eagle-eyed, you'll see it, and you'll go, oh, that's Han's palace, right? And so the view is just much better. So take the bus or take, the, uh, take a taxi up to the peak. Now, the peak is also a big thing for Van Damme fans. Yeah, Because oh, yeah. that's where he did the split, you know, when he's kind of clearing his mind to get ready after, you know, Jackson got his head kicked in by Bolo. Uh, and then he's up there and he's doing his thing. And what's interesting is you could see from that shot, which was shot in 85, 86, something like that, to the view now, you see how much the how much it's changed. Yeah. First of all, there are way more buildings now than even in the 1980s. When you see the opening scene of Enter the Dragon and you're over Victoria Harbor, there's like none of the buildings that are there now. And the harbor was much wider back then because yeah. they've, they've had to put reclaimed land to build it in to put more structures because as population grows and real estate, well, what happens if you don't have land to build on? You build land in Hong Kong, apparently. Mm -hmm. You build land to build stuff on, yeah. right? So we went up there and it was cool. I went there with, you know, Sifu. Everyone, Sifu Kanspect was up there and we got photos with my Sifu at the peak. Bruce Willow went up yep. there and did the famous did Van Damme split. Yep. And yeah. Shout and out to Bruce. Shout out to Bruce Willow. Had, it was a really, really great time. Mm -hmm. And that was day three. So yeah. really action packed, filming stuff, peak, going this place, going that place was awesome. Mm -hmm. The next day was also pretty cool. And it culminated in one of the coolest moments and unexpected moments. And, and, but it was very indicative of all the trips that I go on with students. Like, we have a basic plan where we might go or whatever, and then stuff happens that we never could have expected, and it goes then above and beyond expectation, right? And this, uh, this, the next day, we you know, started as we always do with some training in the park. We had our breakfast, and then we did a tour of Mong Kok. Yes. All right? Uh, Mong Kok being just north of the Yaomate district. Um, Mong Kok is part of Kowloon. It is uh, where a lot of Kung Fu schools were back in the day. It's a very local place. I mean, it's not uncommon to see foreigners or expats in Mong Kok, but it's definitely more like it's it's more you're getting more into a local place. It's not yeah, like yeah, being yeah. in Jim Sao Absolutely. Um, and, you know, some tourists will go to Lady Street to the night markets. But in Mong Kok, you're already starting to feel like it's a little more local. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, Mong Kok is also the area where Yip Man lived in in the last part of his life. Uh, 149 Tung Choi Street, which was just like a, a block or two away from the Wing Chun Athletic Association, was part of the night market or at the end of the night market, which is known as Lady Street, Loyan Gai. And that's where Yip Man lived. I took you guys. I showed, showed you that place there. Um, what I like about Mong Kok is um, there's lots of specialty shops there. Yeah. If you, like if you want to do some cool shopping, 
they have entire malls that only sell computers and electronics. And so if you want like to get computer stuff, you go to like the computer mall and then there's like the video game mall and then there's like the camera mall and then there's the anime mall yeah, that the has all the mall. anime stuff, right? Absolutely, which and you is guys, awesome. And they had like collectibles, even they had like the Donnie Yen Yip Man collectibles yeah. <laughs> and stuff <laughs> That was there. amazing. That was like when I went there, we went there with Sven and Vicky, Vicky and John Rubio was there as well. And then it was like, uh, I think George and, and Ryan was with us. Yeah. And um, yeah, um, I managed to persuade Sven to get like the uh, the alien mother thing that he was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get it. I'm like, get it. You know, you want it. He got it. But there we 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 both took photos. It was like, it's, it the, it wasn't just the Yip Man action figures. They actually had an action figure of the table scene from Yip Man, Yip Man 2. Two. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he got like a miniature Sammo Hung and a miniature Donnie Yen on a table. Right. That, and I was like, I can't afford to buy it. I can't afford to buy it. I can't take it back. I can't afford not to buy it. Oh, yeah, it'll, it'll still be there when we go back next yes, year, yes, yes. along with those alien yes, yes, yes. masks, predator masks. Thank you, Tommy Lynn. But yes, like, oh, it's fantastic. Anyway, sorry, I was just my most, geeking out there. My mo the most frustrating part of that uh, tabletop fight scene, and mind you, my, my friend Lo Mong is in it. He's got a very good fight. It was is when Donnie Yen fights the, I believe, the late Fung Hat On, and Fung Hat On crosses his legs. Mm -hmm. in front of him and just stays in that pose and Donnie Yen like an idiot is just standing in front of him just, like this it's like okay kick him over. Wing Chun pro tip if your opponent crosses their feet in front of you mm -hmm. and they pose in that well first of all if they just did it you know it's, it's a rule of martial arts never to cross your feet right uh, especially in boxing you never cross one foot over the other now there are exceptions like when you want to uh, take someone's back yeah. Uh, in wrestling, you'll actually use the opposite foot to go behind. In, in the Wing Chun wooden dummy, we have the yep. subti toy, which mm -hmm. we use to get behind someone because it's yeah. much faster than trying to shuffle behind someone. You take one full step, right? But you don't pose with your f crossing your feet in front of someone <laughs> and stay there, right? And so that's one of the things. It's like, yeah, I get it's a movie. They need to up the drama or whatever. But like Donnie Yen is playing our beloved patriarch, and like Wing Chun 101, your opponent crosses their feet in front of you and stays that way, all right? Um, do something. This person is handing you a gift, okay? If someone crosses their feet in front of you and goes into a pose, I don't know, kick them full power with a front thrust kick while their legs are crossed. I don't know, step in and punch them. I don't know, take your hand back here and slap them across the face. Doesn't matter. When someone crosses their feet in front of you, uh, you do something, all yes. right? And I remember watching that and just going, what? <laughs> I saw better Wing Chun in the movie 300, all right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so anyway, so Mong Kok's got all these, like, cool specialty malls and stuff. And even though it's obviously harder and harder to find because all, you know, films are all on digital media now, but, you know, Mong Kok would be the place where you could find a shop that still had some DVDs or VCDs somewhere. Like, that might be, there'll be, like, one little shop, one little corner there, right? Um, Bay Logan told me a very funny story, uh, very uh, in his the early time period moving to Hong Kong, you know, when he was still a little bit green and he was, you know, meeting all of these movie stars for the first time. And uh, he told me he went into like a, a video store, like a probably was still VHS at that time mm -hmm. where, you know, he wants to get old Kung Fu movies and he wanted to get those old Kwan Tak Hing Wong Fei Hung movies, like the ones that were shot in the 40s, 50s and 60s. Like yeah. the stuff that Bruce Lee grew up watching. 
And you can you can see some of those. Uh, and now, you know, that some of those things you can get. You can find some of that stuff online. But he was looking for, like, videos. Like, he wanted, like, videotapes. And, because Bay told me at that time it was very difficult to find. You would only see those old Kwon Ta King, Wong Fei Hong serials on, you know, on TV late at night. At 2 a.m., they would show, like, you know, Wong Fei Hong challenges 10 masters, you know, with Kwon. You know, that would be the name of the film, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Shot in 1954, and it was you know the iconic Quanta King playing, playing Wong Feong, and he said that uh, he went in there, and one of the, one of the famous actors from those films was a guy named Zhou Datwa, and Zhou uh, uh, Datwa was like uh, he he was like one of like like up there with Quanta King. And uh, Bay told me he was like in one of those stores and he was like, uh, I really want to get these old Quanta King movies. And like, do you know where I can get it? And the guy who was there, very typical Hong Kong Chinese clerk, like, Meh. if it's not something they have, they're not interested because they can only make money with the stuff that they can sell in the store. Yeah. You're coming at them with like, oh, do you have this thing? It's like, eh, I don't want to order. It's like, buy the shit I have here. Yeah. Don't make work for me. And the, the you know, they kind of implied, you know, the guy was like a little dismissive, like, no, we don't sell that old shit. But then the guy said, I don't know, but you might want to ask that guy over there. He might want to, he might know something about it. And Bay turned around and it was Joe Tatwa in the store. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Yes. So it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then he said he tried to talk to him, but he was very like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, he's very low key and didn't want to talk about that. What also reminds me, like, uh, when I first moved to New York, in the late 90s, before I went to Germany, when I moved back to the East Coast, before I moved to Germany to do Wing Chun full-time, uh, one of my friends from Seattle came with me to visit. Like, hey, come on, hang out with me in New York. And we just went around New York and had a good time. And we were at... Um, uh, man, remember when there used to be record shops? Oh, yeah. I remember went to when, all of those before well, they well, shut. There was a chain... I think it was Tower, tower Records. Yeah. You know, there's still, a, there's still a tower in Tokyo. Really? A proper, like a full Tower Records. It's still really big in Japan. No kidding. So yeah. I think it was a Tower Records. It was up by... Yep, I know. Sex 68th. Yeah, up there. Yeah, yeah it was that just, one, right? Yes, yeah. That was... Uh, by Lincoln Center, a little past yeah, Lincoln Center. it's an Center Apple store now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Makes sense. So I, I, I went in there and like, cause they had a nice international section. They had like Hong Kong soundtracks and things like that. So I'm in there with my buddy, we're looking at music and uh, my buddy goes, yeah, yo, check out Antonio Banderas over there, right? Like, like a guy who looks like Antonio Banderas. And I looked up and it was, was Antonio, Antonio Banderas. Banderas and, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, oh no, bro, that is Antonio Banderas. He's from Seattle. He's not, he's yeah. not used to seeing celebrities except Bill Nye, the science guy and Chris <laughs> Novoselic, right? Absolutely. And it was like, oh, it's like, oh, that is Antonio Banderas. <laughs> like, you can't say that shit in New York because it might actually be the guy you're talking about, right? Uh, that's the joy of living in New York though, isn't it? I mean, it's like, if you don't see a celebrity once a week, then are you really going out yeah you're not you're not going out you you if if you don't automatically or accidentally bump into someone right mm -hmm. i remember one time i was in times square and i like someone rushes out of a car into a into a door like it's rushed and i look up it's beyonce wow you know and he's like yeah. oh right and he's like but that's a, actually a very normal thing in new york like yeah the, like you're not supposed to there's a new york thing which i didn't subscribe to for the first couple of years i'd meet people i would really respect i'd say hey i would always respect for like i really like what you do and just leave it at that i wouldn't be like oh, autographs yes, or photos. Yes. but i remember my ex-wife used to get so bent out of shape if ever I, we saw a celebrity and i'd just and be said like something said something she's yeah. like we just don't do that in yeah. new york and i'm like well and i'm from london i don't give 
That's why a lot of celebrities like living here because they can walk down the street and people more or less yeah, leave no, them alone. No, no the only person that's going to say anything is like a tourist or something like that, right? Yeah, that tourist, was me. That was yeah. me once. You know what yes. I mean? I remember my my niece came over a few years ago just before the pandemic, and she was like nineteen, and she, I mean, she's fantastic, very worldly wise for her age and everything. And we were walking down in the financial district uh, down in Tribeca, rather, and there was Liev Schreiber. Wow. And she was like, you know, right at the end of Ray Donovan, and she was just like, I was like, oh yeah, no, no, it's it's uh, this is. This is New York. Yeah. It's just like, oh. yeah. <laughs> well, so I, I had a similar experience in Hong Kong, seeing how Hong Kong people rela- react to celebrities. Although mm-hmm. Lo Mong from Five Deadly Venoms is not like he still acts and he sees in the Yip Man movies and stuff, but he's not like he's not like a celebrity that maybe like all the young kids know, right? Yeah. But I actually walked like through Hong Kong with Lo Mong. And it was funny because you could see there was a very clear line of an, an age demographic of people who knew who he was and people who didn't. Yeah, yeah. If the person was like approaching 50 and older, they knew who he was. And if they were like in their 20s, they just walked by. Right. But it was funny because I was walking with him and then like you'd see like some older guy look at him and then look at me and then be like, wait, wait is he hanging out with some white guy? What's up? With and they would look at it. And it was funny because the, the Chinese are very bad at hiding their facial expressions in public. Oh, yeah. And, and it was like, they'd look and be like, eh. And they're like, eh, what's going on there? You just walk by. It was really funny. Um, and I remember I saw Lei Hoi Sang from, he's like a veteran, you ever see 36 Chambers? Oh, of course. Absolutely. So you know that like, when Sante wants to create his own chamber, yeah. he has to get permission, so he has to fight that other monk. Because he's, he, he's my favorite monk in that whole film. Yes, that's Lei Hoi San. Oh, yeah, I can never okay. remember his name, but I love him, and he's in tons of all those it's other tons. Films, like, you know Project A, he's always, always like yeah. a villain or, mm-hmm. or like a second film. He's always like a bad guy. He's like a character actor. Yeah. But, uh, he, he, in real life, he's actually a Wing Chun guy. He learned from Tiwan. He, oh. he studied Wing Chun in real life. Right. Um, he was actually at um, Yip Man's funeral. I, I thought it was very young, and yeah. I have a photo of Lei Hoi San was at Yip Man's funeral. And a number of years ago, I was in Hong Kong at a fish market, and Lei Hoi San was there, like, buying fish. And I was like, <gasps> like, no one paid it, because he was like, yeah. it's like an avuncular old man no one pays any attention to, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, ah, it's Lei Hoi San. Veteran, stuntman, villain, all that stuff. And I just, like, I saw, and I... I probably was more starstruck than I had I seen Jackie Chan. Because you see someone who's a mega big star, you're like, oh, mega big star. Oh, okay, yeah. right? But then you see someone who's, like, very niche from your childhood. And you're like, oh. And, like, I wanted to say something, but, like, I just, like, I was like, oh, what the fuck am I going to say to Lei Hoi Sang? Like, I really liked you in 36 Chambers. <laughs> oh, that movie where I played an asshole. <laughs> I really like you in Project A Part 2. Oh, that movie where I played an asshole. <laughs> like, you know. yeah, totally. yeah, but uh, it was, yeah, it's cool. But in Hong Kong, they also tend to kind of leave them alone a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think unless it's like, like the absolute A-list at the peak of their you know, mm-hmm. whatever, but yeah. Yeah, I have an experience like that with a character actor, but it's not. I'm not going to relate it to the podcast because it's completely irrelevant. I'll tell you afterwards. Oh, great. So there you go. Perfect. So, and I'll tell anyone else, but like for this. Pa- Patreons like, can find out who it is. Yes, absolutely. It's quite fantastic. It's been yeah. Back when I used to live in London. Anyway, so Moncock. Yeah, so Moncock, we went around there. I, we, we did, uh, I took them to the, well, we walked past where Yip Man lived, and I showed you the best Dan Tat place in all of Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And yep. then we, uh, we did like, we walked by the Wing Chun Athletic Association. We didn't go in this time just because there wasn't a, anyone around at that time to open it up. It's not the most spectacular place, um, but you know it is part of our Wing Chun history. I'd just like to also point out, going back a little bit further again to the beginning of the day, um, I was actually on time, um, and then we were going to leave, 
in the um, subway, and Andrew, of all people, decided that he wanted to have a water. And uh, I decided to wait back with him, and everyone left without us. <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds so, about right. So like, I was just like, Andrew, you're making me look bad. <laughs> so like, we two days in a row. Yeah, absolutely. So we had to kind of follow back while like Jose kept trying to save, uh, share his uh, location. We finally made it yeah. to you when you were relaying yeah. the story about the, about meeting Leo G. Kern. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what's so great is like we were sharing uh, location on the iPhones all throughout Hong Kong because mm-hmm. it's an easy way. And half those people forgot to stop sharing location with me. So I have, I have worldwide locations of all sorts of people. <laughs> I can find you right now, right? It's so great. Uh, <clears throat> but to be fair, I think they also still might have mine. I don't know if I stopped sharing my location with them. <laughs> How would you like to go to Hong Kong with the Kung Fu Genius? Experience Hong Kong like no one else. Take the ultimate Hong Kong Kung Fu tour with live commentary from yours truly, the Kung Fu Genius. Visit hot tourist spots as well as off-the-beaten-path locations Perfect for Wing Chun and martial art enthusiasts. If you ever wanted to go to Hong Kong to see Wing Chun sites, movie stuff, and of course experience this amazing city, here's your perfect opportunity. To reserve your spot, click on the link in the description of this episode for all the information you need and for booking. And I'll see you in Hong Kong. So then we, uh, yeah, then we walked past uh, the house of uh, uh, Liu Chi Kung, and I related that story of what he told me about seeing the fight between uh, Lao Tai Chun and Bruce Lee. If you want to hear that, I, actually Bruce Willow has that whole story yep. on uh, one of his uh, recaps, right? So I'm not, I'm not going to repeat it here. Check out Bruce Willow's awesome Hong Kong recap videos. Uh, some Fantastic. of that stuff is on there. Yep. And then we went to Bruce Lee's Kowloon Tong home, yep. which has now changed. Uh, they demolished it uh, just like a few years ago, and, uh, and they rebuilt a house in its place. Which, of course, kind of, it's kind of like, ah, well, it's not really the same house. But uh, they, the new house that they built, which is really quite nice, uh, they built it on the same exact spot of the lot. Because it's basically a, kind of a rectangular house. Yeah. And they built it on the same corner of the lot. And it's like the same size. Yeah. So the new house is kind of like a new renovated old house of his. So it's like they didn't expand it or change the design or make it extra floors or make it wider. So when you go there, yeah, like the, the gate is a little bit different. It's not the exact same place or whatever, but uh, even before they demolished it, I mean, that place was in such a state of disrepair. The, and it was the entire lot was paved because it had at one point become a love motel. And, uh, you know, for, so for people who don't know what a love motel is, there's, there's always like a tacit kind of understanding that there's something seedy going on in a love motel. But that, at least in the case of Hong Kong, is not necessarily the case. No. Uh, it, it, it's that because Hong Kong is so prohibitively expensive, like New York, that many people still live with their parents until it's time to get married because it is so expensive to get a Hong Kong apartment. So in order to save money, you live at home until it's time to really move out when you get serious about being with someone or you get married, right? So it's not uncommon for adults to still live with their parents or their family. Um, it's, it's stigmatized here in the States. It meant if you're 24 and still living at home, people give you a hard time. In Hong Kong, that's a very, very normal thing. And I'm yeah. not saying there's nothing wrong with living at home at 24, man. If I could go back, I'd be like, I'd live at home until now. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your parents would be like, no. No, get out, get out, right? <laughs> no, no. I was so excited to get out of my parents' house when I was 18. And like, if I could only go back, I eh, could stay there a few more years. <laughs> Save a little bit of money, young Alex Richter. Mm-hmm. Don't be so eager to go out into the world. So, um, but because, you know, in Hong Kong, apartments are very small. Not unlike New York apartments, but smaller for the most part. And so you really share, sometimes you have to share a very small room or you're in just a very small, very cramped apartment with mom, dad, sometimes grandparents. And so if you have a girlfriend and it comes time for the bomb chicken wow wow, you can't do that at home. Because you can't go into your tiny room in the tiny apartment where everyone is going to hear what you're doing. Not to mention the whole maybe mom and dad don't know you have a girlfriend and wouldn't approve of her. Um, and you can't go to her house because dollars to donuts, her living situation is the same as yours. Mm-hmm. So that is why when you go to Hong Kong, there is um, an excessive amount of hourly motels. It gives, a f- it gives foreigners the impression that there's like nothing but prostitution going on. <laughs> all right. You're like, oh, man, you have all these hourly motels to take your, take your woman for hire. Right. The woman of ill repute with an mm-hmm. excellent reputation. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's actually because that's where most kind of couples can hook up. Yeah. So, um, but don't get me wrong. I'm, other seedy things go on as well, for sure. And so uh, the house that Bruce Lee lived in, at, in 41 Cumberland Road, at some point, I believe in the 80s and 90s, was turned into an hourly love motel right. for people in the Kowloon side. It just, it was interesting because when you think of love motels in Hong Kong, you usually just think of like a floor in one of those multi-story cramped Hong Kong old buildings. But Bruce's home and most of the places in, Kow- in Kowloon Tong are standalone homes. Right. So it was like a standalone home love motel. So uh, kind of fancy, right? So Mm -hmm. that meant for years, people were getting it on in Bruce Lee's old home. (laughs) 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 Right? Which is, you know, because there'd been a somewhat weird, sordid history about Bruce Lee's home. You know, Bruce Lee uh, moved in there uh, late 1972. So he actually, I don't, he didn't even live in that house for an entire year before he passed. And from what I understood, it was really kind of a Tupac uh, and Suge Knight kind of deal where like Raymond Chow actually owned the house. Right. It was kind of like, you know, Suge Knight was given Tupac like furs and cars and stuff, but he wasn't paying them, paying them. Yeah. So uh, there, there was a little bit of that going on, I believe, with it was actually Raymond owned it or Golden Harvest owned it as a business write off. But Bruce was living there. Same thing with, like, Bruce's Mercedes. That was Mm -hmm. Raymond's old Mercedes. That's why it was all dinged up. Not to mention, you know, most people said Bruce was a shitty driver and he was probably (laughs) dinging it up himself. But when Bruce got that um, that Mercedes SL with the the license plate AX65 something, whatever it was, uh, that was Raymond's old car. So Bruce was getting some hand-me-downs and some borrow-me's from Raymond, including that house. After Bruce Lee died... You know, the Hong Kong Chinese are very superstitious. And there's lots of weird superstitions like, oh, you know, Bruce was Lei Xiulong, the little dragon, living in Gaolong Tong, which is the nine dragon pond. And then they're like, well, it's so funny, like how people kind of create these like superstitious narratives uh-huh. in reverse order after the fact. <laughs> well, it was so obvious Bruce Lee had to die because you see, according to Chinese feng shui, according to Chinese feng shui, if everyone followed feng shui, everyone in China would be rich. 
All right. According to Chinese feng shui, the little dragon is living in nine dragon pond and it's like too many dragons competing for dragon energy. And of course, the little dragon gets swallowed up in that big dick nine dragon energy of Gaolun Tong, right? <laughs> and it's like, it's just so obvious, right? You know what I mean? Like something, it's, it's like, cause we're pattern seeking primates. Mm -hmm. Something happens. People look at these all weird causal connections and then they create a narrative and it's just so obvious. The, it's the feng shui that killed Bruce Lee. How can you be the little dragon living in nine dragon pond? Obviously, you will die of, a, 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 of, of some weird means in your uh, mistress's apartment. It's written in the feng shui. I mean, it's like, are you kidding? Well, me? I believe it. I believe it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, after Bruce Lee died, I don't know if immediately after, I don't think it was immediately after because the uh, Shaw Brothers superstar Alexander Fusheng came into prominence in the late 70s. And one of the things I guess he did once he became a big star was to move into his idol's former home. Right. So Alexander Fusheng moved into it, but I believe that that was way later. So someone, I don't know the whole history of the house. I don't know who had it in between Bruce Lee or Golden Harvest owning it and then Fusheng living there. But almost 10 years to the day, uh, Alexander Fusheng died in a car crash while living at the same house. So the Hong Kong Chinese were like, that house has got bad juju, all right? You're like, you cannot be there. Oddly enough, both Bruce Lee and Alexander Fusheng died while living at that house, but not at that house. Yeah. But that's enough for the Chinese to go, no, no, this, this is like, there's some bad dick energy of this place here, right? So then at some point, it became a love motel because at least, you know, if, if it's got bad luck, then might as well just make it a house of ill repute mm -hmm. to bring your girlfriend of excellent reputation to. So uh, then at some point, I think some Chinese businessman owned it. And then it was going back and forth. And for the longest time, they wanted to. It had been bandied about like they should buy it and turn it into a Bruce Lee museum, mm -hmm. you know, and then it's like, oh, the former home. And then you can make it into something cool. And the fans loved it. But um, as anytime there's a good idea regarding Bruce Lee, you I can, can see where this is headed. You can always rely on the Bruce Lee estate to. Fuck <laughs> it. All right. OK. If there's ever a good way to promote Bruce Lee, then the Lee estate will just do the opposite of whatever that is. Mm -hmm. If there's ever an opportunity where something really good can come out, they'll figure out a way to fuck it up. And so um, I know this because uh, I had a friend. Um, Fortunately, he passed away a number of years ago. His name is Paul Wong. He worked for the Hong Kong government. And he told me many years ago, I said, how, how come they never turned it into like a Bruce Lee Museum? He said, well, they were in negotiations. But uh, basically, the Lee estate, I will not say who. It's either the mother or the daughter. It doesn't matter. Uh, I mean. Okay, but we're just going to say the, the Lee estate. Okay, all right. Well, because at some point the daughter took over for the bomb, so I'm not going to say under which regime this was. I'm, in. I'm just saying that, okay. like, you know, you, you make it, it sounds like there's that many more people when it really just narrows it down to two. So yes, it really yes, doesn't. Yes. And what they've done in Bruce Lee's name is awful. Mm -hmm. So uh, apparently they, mm, to make a long story short, uh, they wanted the Hong Kong government to foot the bill for buying the place, setting it up, getting all the exhibits, running it, all the operational costs, everything. But they wanted to earn all the money from it. 
Oh, so it seems perfectly reasonable. Perfect deal. Yeah. All right. Hey, you build everything for me, and I'll earn all the money, and uh, thank you. All right? So, no, they decided not to do it. And so then eventually they demolished the house about two years ago, and then there's a new house there. Presumably someone is living there. Someone owns it, and that's the house we brought you guys yes, to, right? Yes, absolutely. So uh, then shortly after that... Um, I had to have another meeting that day. Yeah, you okay. had to bounce to see it. I had to have lunch with my good friend, Wan Kam Leung. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wan Kam Leung, famous student of uh, the late Wong Sun Leung, uh, had never met Sifu Kanchbek, my Sifu. And here they are, they're both, you know, kind of two giants of the Wing Chun world in Hong Kong. So I was able to bring Sifu Kanchbek to meet Wan Kam Leung uh, in Hong Kong. And we went and we had lunch and... Um, uh, one of uh, Sifu's friends named Jesper, who's like a, a, a Dane who's married to uh, to a woman from China, and he's like a big researcher in, in Wing Chun. Uh, he came along, and that was really the first time I had a chance to meet him. I'd only corresponded with him a couple times on um, Facebook. And then, uh, yeah, there were a few other people there. Uh, it was very interesting. It was cool to see them together. We had great photos, a really, really good dim sum. Mm-hmm. And while I was doing that, oh, yeah. you guys got a very special treat. Oh, yeah. While you were going off having um, food with Wing Chun Legend, as is the want of this last tour. Yes. Um, we all bounced back to the Marshall Club. Yeah, um, to, 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 to Bay Logan's place. Right, and we're just like it's like Ryan took us back. We're like, oh, we'll just get back, you know, just jump on the train. It was all very kind of yes. loose. Yes, you know. Well, I, as we talked about the last episode, how much we love the Marshall Club, and how, like it's yeah. just if you have nothing in particular to do in Hong Kong. You can't really do, you can do no wrong just showing up there and hanging out. Because yeah. you never know who's going to show up. Absolutely. And also just being there with all the stuff to see and do is just so much fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so tell them what you guys did. Okay. So, you know, we headed back um, on the train, got some food, got some beers. And then we watched Enter the Dragon, which of course we've seen numerous times before. However, we had Mr. Bay Logan... As the live commentary. As the live commentary. Yes. So, and it was amazing and hilarious. Yes. And I will never watch that movie the same again. No, absolutely not. Because I've seen things that I can no longer and, and you know what's funny? For all the years I've known Bay, I've never watched Enter the Dragon all the way through with him commenting on it. When I finished my lunch with Wan Kam Leung, I, I quickly headed up to the Marshall Club and I just caught the tail end. Mm-hmm. But what Bay was able to explain... I was like, and I've seen that movie many times, and I know a lot about some of the film flubs and some of the dialogue changes and some of the behind the scenes, this and that. But like, there's what I know about Enter the Dragon, and then there's what Bay Logan knows about Enter the Dragon. And just like, I think I was able to get there for like about the last 10 minutes. Yeah. And what he told me just like blew my mind, even like the shadow of the camera on the wall mm-hmm. and like also, and also like what the alternative dialogue was and scenes that were cut out in between. Oh yeah. So it was uh, like hilar- it was factual and hilarious at the same time. Right. You know. Yeah, cuz he was saying, kind of saying funny things about oh the, the, the characters and things. <laughs> yeah, I 
<laughs> I don't know if I. No, I'm not. I, no, but there were other funny bits in it that were just super hilarious. Yeah, did you, know did I mean? you just edit yourself in live time? You're like, yeah, but there's a. I, no, 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 no. I'm not, not going to say that bit, right? Yeah, no, I, I'll, um, I, I won't say that bit for fear of, you know, someone getting super upset and like us being cancelled. But, you know, the. Um, it was the, the the bits when he was like pointing out because all of like the stuntmen that were like kind of all of these great future like Shaw Brothers superstars and Golden Harvest in, in the background, yeah. right? So like, there's the bit when you know the, the the big fight scene that's underground after he's like stuck the snake into the thing, and there's like you know he throws Jackie Chan, and then Lam Ching Ying comes in, he gets yes. thrown there, and right. all this kind of stuff, and you're yes. just like pausing it each time you're like oh, yes it is oh my god it's this and that and that yes, and it's just yes. like you know mars is there somewhere you yeah, know what i mean yeah things like, you didn't realize right? mm-hmm, absolutely yeah. but, but my favorite bit of it was when he's it was, it was, and here's like the scene they're all doing the big fight at the end in the tennis courts and they go oh look who's that over there directing and it's like bruce lee, it's bruce directing. lee directing yeah <laughs> that was a famous flub i had seen i had known about that one before but it was very it was very funny yeah, i cannot me. unsee that now yeah or the extra like what bruce lee does the multiple kicks that guy's face and the extras laughing in the yes, background, right? And then, so and then, of course, we go like, we go like, oh man, that is like obviously a film flub. And I had seen that before, but Bay had a very interesting take on it. He's like, in the story, that's his buddy getting kicked and he's laughing. <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. right, because they would be Han's men, right? Yeah. So it's like, wait, you don't, you don't want that guy kicking your boy's ass, but he was like laughing, right? <laughs> I think he, he, he goes, see this guy next. This is about to be the best day of his life. And he starts, and then you just see him just do the big smile. Yes. And then he was like, oh yeah, shit's boy, just watching him get kicked. And just like, yeah, it was very funny. It was. Um, I would absolutely watch that with him again. Yeah, I mean, I want to. I want to watch it because I missed the whole first part of it. Yeah, when we have to make that as part of the tour next year. Yeah, I think and try so. not to. Yeah, now we'll make it a standard part of the tour. Yeah, try try not to get like you know invited to another Hong Kong Legends yes, dinner or something. Exactly. How about that? I'll, I'll, I'll try. I mean? I'll try my try, best. Try it's very hard when that. I'm in Hong Kong. <laughs> legends be inviting me left and right, right? Yeah. And so then that night. We then actually did something which was very special for me because I've taught Wing Chun in Hong Kong multiple times. But as part of the tour, I gave a a two hour seminar for the people who are on the tour. Now, some of the people who are on the tour were our own students, obviously Wing Chun enthusiasts, a couple people from outside of the Leung Wing Chun lineage. And then there were some people who didn't know Wing Chun at all, like Bruce Willow, like like the the stuntmen and, uh, you know, some people who are not from the martial arts side, they were maybe just fans of the podcast. So I taught a seminar that was kind of for like a mixed group, some people who knew some stuff, some people who were brand new. It was a lot of fun. But uh, the seminar that I taught was, uh, and, and shout out to my student, uh, Manly Leung Ming, who set up this place for us. It was yeah. an art gallery. Mm-hmm. But the art gallery, it's in Sam Po. Now, for people who don't know, Sam Po is part of Kowloon. It's a very local area. It is also the area where the restaurant union was, where Yip Man first started teaching. Yeah. So this is a very kind of old school part of Hong Kong. Very, very local. Not a lot of expats and foreigners there. Um, and it's cool art gallery. It was like on the third, second, third floor or something like that. And they just finished having a Bruce Lee exhibit with Shannon Ma's art. And it was a gallery of all these Bruce Lee paintings, yeah. which were like photorealistic. They were amazing. And they were framed and they were all around. And what was great about this art gallery is it had the aesthetic, 
because it was an old 50s Hong Kong building. Yeah. And you had like the checkered tiled floor mm -hmm. and it was like the bad, everything was like, it was like a building that you would have seen at the time Yip Man was teaching at that time. Like yeah. that old style Hong Kong building. It was probably like an old apartment before it was that, right? Yeah, it's that's not, that's I'm not yeah. sure what it was, but it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And it was converted yeah, to an art gallery, cool. right? And this was the spot that um, my student Ming got for me to teach my two hour class. Cause I, I would have had no problem teaching at the Marshall Club, but we had already spent a fair amount of time at the Marshall Club that week from Maxifu stuff and going to see Bay Logan. But I was like, yeah, I mean, it, it would be easy for me to teach there, but I, I want to like, I want my students to see more of Hong Kong. So, yeah, yeah. so we go to Samsoi Po, I taught the class. And at the end of the class, uh, the, the guy who was working there, uh, I, you know, we want to take the traditional group photo because we're in Hong Kong, you know, the Sifu, meaning me, sitting down and everyone flanked around, you know, that kind of traditional photo, right? And I asked him, I said, oh, you know, is there a chair here? And he says, yeah, oh, oh. so he goes, Sifu, you should use this chair. <laughs> and then I go, oh, oh, he goes, he goes, this was the master's chair. And I'm thinking like, it's the chair for the masters to sit in. It's yeah. the main, it's the master chair, right? Mm -hmm. And I go, oh, go, it's the master's chair. He goes, yeah, 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 it was his. And I go, what do you mean it was his? He goes, wait, this was Yip Man's chair. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, you know, because uh, that area, some sort of Yip Man had taught there, the restaurant union, and this chair he had gotten from a student of Yip Man or from Yip Man's son or someone. Mm -hmm. And they donated it to the art gallery because they didn't want to get rid of it. It was Yip Man's chair. Yeah. And that was the only chair in the place. And that was like the chair that the dude was sitting on. So it's like he just goes to work and he's sitting, he's like just sitting on Yip Man's chair. And he's like, oh, Oh, yeah. Why, why don't you go ahead and use this thing? It's like funny how, like, you know, if people are not into Wing Chun, I'm like non yeah. unsentimental. And right. then so there I was. I sat in Yip Man's chair and, like, I don't know. I, I felt a little. Uh, we, we all got a little I bit. I felt a little verklempt. You know, I was like, oh my God, I'm sitting in Yip Man's chair. And then we took the photo. <laughs> and we're just like, you're looking at me and we're just like, like what? What? <laughs> and then and then we took a photo of the chair in the gallery by itself, which mm -hmm. is really cool. I think Jose posted that photo, and he even put it as his wallpaper. And then of course yeah. everyone had to take a shot in the chair, sitting chilling. So everyone had a chance to uh, sit in Yip Man's chair. Mm -hmm. After we left, and before we kind of disbanded for that night, because we were in Samsoipo, I brought the students around to show them where the um, original restaurant union was, where Yip Man taught. And then there was another place called Sam Tai Chi, a little temple, the Three Prince Temple. And Yip Man used to teach there when he couldn't use the restaurant union premises, presumably because they had meetings in there or something was going on. He couldn't teach there, so he had to have like an alternate location nearby to teach. And so he would teach at the, uh, the Sam Tai Chi temple because he could just, it was just a temple. He could just go and teach there for free. He didn't have to pay any rent. And that's where he taught Chan Chi Man. Chan Chi Man brought me to that temple and told me, yeah, this is where Yip Man started teaching him Chi Sao. Uh, Sometimes William Chang was there yeah, yeah. and other students were there. So there was like a pocket of students who learned there. And we walked by, we took some photos and it was like really cool. And especially after the energy of having had the Wing Chun seminar and sitting in Yip Man's chair and everyone was having such a good time. And then, and then there we were at the old temple. And then, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure we went out that night afterwards but that was kind of the end of the tour we actually didn't go out that night because i tell you we kind of ended up i think because we'd just been you, we were getting tired right yes. you know what i mean so because Cara, andrew and i the previous night we'd gone out with jose as well for food so that for those two or three days in the middle 
we were kind of going out for food. So that night, once we got back, we'd been discussing what next delicacy we were going to eat. I see. Right. So and we'd been like looking for some goose. Uh-huh. Right. So oh, there's like it. we found a place called. Night. Yeah, that was the goose night. So we went to a place called the Honky Goose, like roast goose restaurant. What'd you call me? Oh, I'm gonna, I'll, t- I'll tell you again in, after the thing. So I'm, no, I'm kidding. Anyway, the Honky yeah. Roast Goose Cafe. They always write it K-E-E, but it's actually pronounced Gay Honky. Honky. Yeah, well, yeah. okay. See, I mean, you know, <laughs> Spanglish. That's anyway. why you bring me. <laughs> yeah. But um, we were discussing that just recently as we were re- like reminiscing about the trip. And Andrew pointed out, he said, I think if I don't find any footage of us going to that place and one of us didn't use the term we were all going on a wild goose chase I'm going to be very disappointed <laughs> puns for days <laughs> yeah so that was that was a very cool day uh, you know sitting in Yip Man's chair was one of the highlights for me the students were so super happy and I remember after like a, a couple of the dudes got a little emotional because that was like because that was like day four, mm-hmm. and some of the guys are coming up to me, giving me some big bro hugs, and just telling me something, you know. And again, this is I'm I'm not trying to be hyperbolic or anything like that, but they were coming up to me and they were just saying thank you. This tour is like unbelievable. Yes. And even I was like, yeah, it's yeah, it's really quite amazing, ball. isn't it? It's <laughs> like it's my 27th trip here, and even I'm like, oh, this is pretty damn cool. So that's why I can only recommend that you sign up for the 2024 Ultimate Hong Kong Kung Fu Tour with the Kung Fu Genius. And that's all I got to say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. If you have any ideas for a future episode of the Kung Fu Genius podcast, go ahead and write those in the comments below. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu genius Technique speaks for me, not lineage Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung And I produce masters, you surpass us Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets City Wing Chung is the house I built Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt Alex Richter, always the victor Hong Kong reminiscing Oh yeah, Part reminiscing. three. Part Part the threat Yes <laughs> The third. Oh, do you want to press? Do you want to? It's this one, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> Funny. Here we go. Children. All right. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be recapping day three and four of the classic. Oh my God, that was horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Let's try this again. Yeah, you can sit in Yip Man's chair. No big. I want to do that again. Wasn't quite there. Wasn't quite there. It was was awful. It was awful. I was was awful. I was awful. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be discussing. Not be discussing. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be recapping's day three. Ah, recapping's. (laughs) 